So a common practice that I hear about is like this. A person wants to practice equanimity, wants to have this, it sounds quite nice, equanimity, mm. not being bothered by things, always peaceful. But, but it is because they are not peaceful, they are bothered. Right. So, so it's like, well, I can practice these four Brahma Viharas, basically, you know, metta and so on. So sometimes I do metta, sometimes I do karuna, sometimes upeka, sometimes mudita. Depends on how I feel or what's uh, attractive at the moment. Yeah, so, because I can't just do metta all the time, it's a bit boring. But, so equanimity is quite a nice one. And, uh, and they, they go about it like this. So I feel bothered by somebody and then I go away and I sit by myself and I do this equanimity practice by imagining this person, the situation and just trying to invoke a sense, an energy of equanimity mm. of, of just like I'm okay with this person who's irritating me I'm okay with a situation that's absolutely, you know, making me so angry. So they're just, and they're just kind of trying to push this equanimous feeling into them, into their minds, into mm. their perception of it. Is there something wrong with that, or can a person just keep on <laughs> doing that harder? You know. Well, there are a few things wrong with it. Um, the two main points. Two main mistakes are, well, first of all, it's not that you're not equanimous because you haven't practiced Brahma Viharas. You're not equanimous because you're still liable to be disturbed. In other words, you don't know how to remain unaffected even before you were disturbed. The mind is not developed. So you have no choice but to experience the disturbed mind when something agitates it and disturbs it. You don't know how to prevent that. So the only thing you know is how to then cover it up or try to try to reshape it or, or, or whatever practice you might be doing. Basically, the only way you know is to uh, try to deal with it. And that's a problem. See, the issue is not that you have not found a perfect way of dealing with it, you might well have found an excellent way of dealing with it, but that was never the problem. The problem was that you were affected in the first place, as I keep saying. And the true equanimity is when you can't be affected in the first place, then what is there to deal with? That's the true peace. I don't need to do anything on account of this because I'm not bothered. I am peaceful. If I have to do this, if I have to do Brahmihara, if I have to do that, if I have to do Samatha, if I have to do any practices, because I'm bothered means... That's not equanimity, even if I calm myself down with these practices. So that's the first problem, really, and kind of the, 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 the fundamental one. Uh, so then really you want to ask yourself, like, uh, why am I disturbed in the first place? Why can I be disturbed in the first place? Because you obviously don't want a disturbance, yet you can't help it. When you experience something that's challenging, annoying, unpleasant the mind just gets disturbed. So what do you learn from that? You learn that your own mind doesn't listen to you. You want it to not get disturbed. 
you want it to remain peaceful, but it ignores you. It just goes and does it anyway. And then you try to paste the practices over. That's your second problem. So you, you, don't, you don't see what happened there that already. So that was the issue. The issue was not even that you were disturbed. The issue was that your own mind is not listening to you. So sooner or later, something will highlight that. Something will make that apparent to you. And that's when you are disturbed. That's when you are not equanimous. So instead of looking at, at the root of that and what causes the mind to not listen to you, you just want to cover up the fact that mind doesn't listen to you, that it's causing you pain, and now you just want to cover up the pain with, a, with a, like a shoving the, 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 the square shape into a circle. Like do your uh, Brahma Viharas, do equanimity, do metta, just so that this pain goes away on account of the mind that doesn't listen to me and that will continue not listening to me because I'm not doing anything on that field. So also, what's, uh, it's not that you, you're not saying that Brahma Vihara is wrong. No, I'm, I'm saying that completely, yeah, yeah. So Brahma Vihara is the actual practice of taming your mind. So it's in the complete opposite direction of how people do it. So in order to, ta in order to develop Brahma Vihara, first you need to see your own mind as that thing that you are paired with, that doesn't listen to you, that needs taming, that needs containment, and develop clarity in regard to that, then that can take you in the direction of actual Brahma-viharas. So it's not something you have to be like doing it. You could just be amplifying these aspects of taming the mind that then result in Brahma-viharas, certain frameworks. So unless you have a right view, unless you have seen the signs of your mind, I see the mind as a phenomenon, see the mind as, as that thing that needs taming, unless you have developed a degree of kind of unidentification with your own mind, any basically practice of Brahma Vihara you do is just a practice of your wrong view on the pretext of Brahma Viharas. That's not what Brahma Viharas are. I mean, imagine, it's the dwelling of the Brahmas. It takes a bit more to dwell like a Brahma than to just have positive thoughts about your fellow men, which anybody can do, and you don't need a Buddha to teach you that. It takes a bit more effort. It takes a bit more of commitment, endurance, and mental kind of elevation, basically. It takes more depth, and that depth begins with the right view. So the right view, in this case, is found in the direction of recognizing, hold on, I have a meditation technique, I do Brahma Viharas, I go on the retreats, and it really helps my life. I'm a much calmer person. But, do I actually know how to, do I have confidence in the knowledge of being undisturbed to begin with? Or do I just have confidence that sooner or later I will get my retreat, I will do my technique, and I will calm down? Which one is it? Do I know how, factually, to remain undisturbed in face of disturbances? Do I have confidence that this wild mind of mine will not turn against me? Because I've tamed it. Because I know how to speak to it. I see its signs and features, and I prevent it from going into the wrong pastures. Or I have absolutely no idea what any of that means, and I just sort of calm myself through focusing practices. So that's the beginning, basically. That's your, your, your crossroads to, to realize you can't be practicing both. 
You can't be going in the direction of digging up the reasons that your mind doesn't listen to you, restraining them, purifying them, and at the same time engaging in avoiding pain that the mind, that the wild mind causes you through, through focusing and through calming and so on. They're mutually exclusive. Because each time you act out of avoiding pain that that wild mind causes you, you're feeding its wildness. You're feeding its disobedience. You're just trying to deal with the pain of it, ignoring the fact that pain was really not the problem. The problem was the mind that has the ability and power to turn against you and you can't stop it. You, you can't do anything about it. And, and you can actually see that even in like day-to-day examples of your life, not even necessarily some extreme scenarios where the mind turns against you. You could just see that like sometimes, for example, one thing happens to you and you're not bothered. The mind doesn't really latch on it, doesn't pick on it, does not start nagging you and causing you that mental turmoil. On another occasion, something much smaller than that happens. Yet, because of this or that, the mind won't let go of it. And you can't sleep at night. And you're filled with whatever, it might be anger, any form of hindrance, anything, because this mind just won't let go of it. And you would want to let go of it. You would want to be peaceful. But if you measure your peace, whether it's the pain I'm feeling or the pleasure, you're ignoring that that was never the problem. That's the result of the problem. Problem of an untamed mind. So if you have untamed mind and then try to pace Brahma Viharas or any other Buddhist practice like without developing the right view in terms of taming the mind, none of that will work. And that, all of that will become a misrepresentation of the Dhamma. So you think you're practicing the Dhamma while you're not. And with that, that's something you used to, you've mentioned before. It's like uh, I don't know if I'm getting it right, but it's like if you got uh, cancer, and because of that cancer you have a headache, mm. and so you take a tablet, yeah, and it gets rid of the pain yeah. of you and know. You think you're headache. curing cancer, but all, yeah, you do. You're just kind of numbing the pain for a while. Exactly. And but if I keep on if I keep on taking the headache tablet, cancer will disappear. The Brahma Vihara practice of wishing everyone well then I won't get angry anymore. Yeah. That's kind of exactly, exactly the, the implicit implication by like most people that engage in these practices. is that I know it's not adequate, but there is this kind of concealed hope in it that if I just keep covering my pain long enough, one day it just won't be there anymore. So if I keep taking the pills and never allow headache to come up, one day I'll be cancer-free. And it's like, that doesn't work even in, in mundane terms. And you know it. Let alone when it comes to freeing your mind and, and reaching Nibbana. <laughs> yeah, if you want your mind. Yeah. So, if sometimes symptoms are too much, yes, take the headache pill. Calm down. But don't confuse that for treating the illness. Which is not having headache in the first place on account of your mental cancer. And in this case, being mind that can turn against you at its whim. If something prompts it, if circumstances change, if, if you didn't get enough sleep, not enough food or something, that, that mind becomes agitated and, 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 and sort of um, touchy and it turns against you and it starts causing you trouble, basically. Your own thinking is not in your control. It starts annoying you, harassing you, bombarding you with stuff, causing you pain, disturbing you, and you can't stop it. 
and you will never stop it for as long as you don't start um, basically admitting that that's really the root of the problem regardless of what pain might come out of it so don't be just trying to act out of i just want to get rid of the pain no 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 put the symptoms aside for a while so that you can discern the illness in this case illness is yeah it's my own mind simply not listening to my commands and why is that well because you never trained it i mean you just take a random street dog and start telling it to sit it's not going to do it but it's not impossible to teach it either but you do have to make the effort so you have to recognize okay that's the training that's what i keep talking about the training the dog training of your own mind and once the mind is trained as the sutras often describe, like Arahant is like an unmovable mountain, regardless of the weather that's hitting it and, and falling and the rain and the wind. So no amount of circumstances will make a trained mind turn against itself. So in other words, no amount of circumstances will make you suffer irrationally. And if it's turning against itself, it's not... Trained. It's not trained enough. Or it's not trained at all, depending on how badly it turns against itself. Yeah. So... You want to find out how to train the mind? Well, listen to our other 200 and plus something talks, which is all about, again, seeing where the problem is, containing your behavior, curbing your unwholesome sort of engagement with sense objects, sense restraint, obviously reading the suttas and learning more, but be careful with that. As we said before, like you can be reading the suttas and all of that just to get rid of the pain of your headaches. It's like, no, 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 all of that is to inform you how to keep getting closer to the illness, to the cancer of your own mind, not to treat you with pain right away. That's why the Buddha described that for somebody, practice towards enlightenment is going to be slow and painful throughout. But if he has the right view, he'll see past that pain. He won't measure the success as to whether it's painful or not. He'll measure whether the mind is getting more obedient or not. For somebody... If the mind was not as wild, pleasure, uh, practice can be very pleasant, very agreeable. But again, it's still the same training, by the way. Because sometimes even this is something people like, oh yeah, I need to have this pleasure and joy because the Buddha said practice is joyful. Well, that's not up to you to decide. That's up to that dog you picked up off the street to decide whether that dog is intelligent enough, capable enough, whether it can pick the commands quickly. So it's up to your mind. If it's a complete wreck unrestrained for years, it's not going to be enjoyable. enjoyable. But it's still the same training. And it will still have the same results if you do it. And that's the point. So, as, as somebody said, there is a difference between chaining your mind and actually taming it. Like chain a dog and actually train it. So the same applies to the mind. And the reason for that is exactly like you can be just imposing... All the, all the precepts, all the sense restraint, like controlling your environment, constricting it so there is nothing disturbing coming your way, and then confuse that for training the mind, for taming it. In the same sense, you could just get a wild dog and train it. But if you don't train it in any way, if you don't learn how to communicate to it, with it, it will still bite, bite you if you come in, uh, within its range. So in this case... Again, yes, first you have to train it. If the mind is just, even if that dog is completely wild, well, you're certainly not going to train it if he can come and go as it pleases. And the Buddha gave the simile in regard to the elephant, but it was exactly the same thing. Yeah, you first you have to just tie it down with the leather straps. 
where it can't go as it pleases. And, but then you realize that's the beginning. So keeping the precepts and containing myself, putting the chain on my own mind, it's the beginning now. And when I see that it's becoming like calmer because of that, okay, then I have to learn how to now discern its inclinations and engage it with opposing ones. Like if it wants to incline towards sensuality, well, I'll present it with dangers and perils and dissatisfaction and all the turmoil I had to go through on account of getting what I wanted. And I'll, I'll feed it that. Not I'll beat it until it turns away. Because that's just trying to get rid of your own thoughts, as we say, which is again rooted in craving and ill will. And in other words, you're just making your mind even wilder. No, just present it this context and protect the contexts of peril, the danger, the lack of satisfaction, the, the, all the similes the Buddha gave about sensuality, until that mind sort of admits, yeah, okay, see, you taught it a lesson. Then wants to go towards self-loathing. Oh, this is, none of this is worthy, all of this. Well, be that as it may, there is a factual liberation from all of it. There is a factual ease. There is a factual Nibbana. There is a factual peace. Presented with that context, when it gets too dark, there is factual benefits of even this limited training you did. There is, the, again, there is like the, 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 the simple immovability or the increased immovability of your mind that comes just with, with keeping the precepts. Like, mind becomes much more stable less prone to be irrational, emotional. And you see that, and you know that deep down. It's just that when the mind gets a bit darker, you forget that, and then you let it wallow. So again, you don't beat it to stop. You just present it with the context. But look, if you don't go too far that way, you could develop this equilibrium. You could develop this immeasurable pleasure of peace, which is what you always wanted. And that's how you train it. When it goes, when it's too tight, you loosen it. When it's too loose, you tighten it. But the work has to be done. How painful that training will be, well, depends on how patient you are, how wild the mind was, and, and many different factors. And that's really, as I said before, that's not the point. The point is to go through the training procedure.